Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're continuing our discipleship series on the Songs of Ascents, and we're just doing an introduction. And I know it's taken a while, but I really feel it's important for you to get the foundation. And uh, we tried to record some of these, and the recordings haven't worked out so well, so technical difficulty, but we have some of these online, and so we're hopeful that you'll be able to enjoy these and this series as we try to make this ascent that we're talking about. And we just sang that song. And we left off with Psalm 91 that we should take refuge in the Most High. That we should take refuge in Him. And that He is calling us to a higher place with Him. And I know that it feels like in this life that we get pushed down so much. And we learned that these Psalms that we're studying, these 15 Psalms, 10% of the 150, are all about an oppressed people who are trying to rise up despite everything that is against them. And so we are trying to study from them and perhaps that they can help us to make that same ascent that Jesus did when he went to do what God called him to do. And so we're focused on Psalms 120 through 134, focusing on going up to Zion, to Jerusalem, to the place we talked about this morning that God chose to put his name there where heaven and earth meet, where the people of God could go meet with God to reverse the exodus out of Eden and bring the people back. And so these are the exiles from Ezra and Nehemiah. They're coming back. And these are the songs that David and others wrote for us that lead the children of Israel into their going back to God. And as we're getting out of the pandemic, we're getting back to church, we're getting back to what God wants us to do. I felt very much led ahead of Easter this year to do these Psalms, but I'm doing a long introduction so that when I go through them, it'll be easier. And I'm setting this up. So it's like a climbing expedition. Okay. And I'm getting this illustration from the book that we have in the back from, uh, or excuse me, not from that book, from another book, As Though We Dream by Keith Rukhaus. And so he has this idea, it's like a climbing expedition. When you make your ascent, when one becomes making ascent, climbers will think of it as an assault. This is something we have to attack, something we have to do. I'm, I'm from Nepal, the highest mountains of the world, the Himalayans you call them, Himalayans over there, Mount Everest, Kachinjunga, the third highest point in the world. Of the top 10, many of them are in Nepal. And people, they make an assault on that mountain. We're, we're trying with exuberance 
to break through because this world, as we talked about in Sunday school, Hebrews chapter 12, this world has laden us down with so many things. And how are we going to take all of that and give it to Jesus, our friend? How do we take all and cast our cares? Because we're so burdened down with so many things. And so we're, we're, we're oppressed. We're, we're down. And I'm trying to let God through His Spirit to lead us. So when that assault, that we make an assault to assuage the enemies within and without the elements. In order to make this journey in order to climb these mountains, these people have to train. They have to give up certain things, disciple themselves. They have to cast aside the things that don't matter for what does because they want to make this climb. They want to reach the top. They want to get up there. And if you want to get up there, we've got to understand that we've got to let some things go. We did that in January. We talked about seeking God in prayer and letting things go so that we can get to what is most important as we started out this morning with the song, Seek Ye First. We're wanting to put God first and we've got to set aside all those things that don't matter if we want to achieve this thing. And so we go to Matthew chapter 19, beginning tonight. Matthew 19, verses 23 through 26. Then Jesus said unto the disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. It's difficult. Now remember, in the Old Testament, if you're rich, it's because you're blessed of God. And Jesus is telling them it's hard for rich people. Why? Because we know the rich young ruler. Why? Because they're holding on to all this stuff. The man who says, wow, I'm so blessed. I got so much stuff. I don't know what to do with it. Let me build a bigger house to hold it all in. And the Lord speaks to that man and says, do you not know that tonight your soul is required of you? What are you going to do with all that stuff? As an old preacher used to tell me, I've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral. I've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral. I think I told you that story. I got to tell it again. This is good. I just love this story. This preacher told me this story. That the, He's a pastor. They called him to the hospital. And mama's dying. The doctor said, we, there's nothing we can do for her. We don't even know how. Just a few minutes, she'll be gone. Oh, they called the preacher and he came in there to, to be with mama and pray. And you know what the family did? They all shot out and went home to mama's house. They all got the U-Hauls, backed them in there, started pulling all the furniture, fighting over everything. They had this dress that two of the daughters were so excited about this dress that they ripped the dress in shreds. Fighting over this dress. And they're getting ready to take off and they're down the road. And the preacher calls them back and says, hey, you need to come back to the hospital. Like, why, she died? No. God did a miracle. She's fine. All they did, a her 180, pull them back in there and they're shoving that furniture back in the house. So she's going to be home. The doctors are going to release her. God did a miracle. We get so caught up in this stuff. We miss what God is trying to do. And here it is. It's hard for them because they got so much stuff of this world to let it go to grab onto the world that's coming. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, when his disciples heard, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? Can anyone be saved? 
How is it possible? Can anyone be saved? But Jesus, but Jesus beheld them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And God wants you to make this climb, make this ascent. So when we get to these Psalms next week, we will be able to begin this climb because God wants us to be with him. He is God, Emmanuel, God with us. But God also wants us to be with him. When the prodigal son made it halfway, then God met him on that way. And God wants us to meet with him as much as we come here. In Matthew 5.20, For I send you to accept your righteousness, succeed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. You shall in no case enter in the kingdom of heaven. How is this possible? How is this possible? With men, it is impossible. With you, by yourself, it is impossible. But with God, He can make it happen. We can encounter the kingdom of heaven here upon the earth now, just as is in heaven, by God's will, if we give ourselves over, as that song that Ed picked out says, to live for Jesus. He says we can do that. Now, sometimes we make a mistake. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we fall. But do we quit? No. No. We take time out. We do whatever it takes. And we get out there like Mahomes. And we throw that ball, baby. And we win the Super Bowl. But we don't quit. We don't stop. Why? Because of what we read in Hebrews 12 today. About how Jesus did not quit. He set Isaiah 50. He set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. And he says, I am not stopping. Satan himself can come to the garden and do whatever he wants to do. But I, those boys can sleep. But I am going to do this. Because I'm going to show you there is a way. Where there seems to be no way, I'm going to show you there's one. I'm going to show you. Matthew 18.3 and said, Verily I send you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Kids can think of this stuff. Why can't adults do this? You know why adults can't do this? Because we got all this stress and all this tension, all the burdens on this of this life, and it prevents us from focusing on God. Kids don't have all those worries. They're free. We are so burdened. So bound with debt that we can't experience God. He just wants to set us free. He wants to break off those chains. John 3.3, 3, we talked about this this morning. John, Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, Mr. Righteousness, it's not enough. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Born from above. Born a second time. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't do it man's way. It's only a work of God. It is God at work in and through you by the Holy Ghost. That's the only way. You have to be born again. He's calling you to be a part of the family, to take on his name and become that which he desires. What he always wanted from Adam, what he got in Jesus, he still wants from us. We fall, we stumble, but that doesn't mean we quit. We get up, we take some time to heal, and we keep moving forward. 
Verse 5 and 6, Jesus answered, Very well, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. And of the Spirit. This is a spiritual thing. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He's calling us to go up by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 You'll not do it if you follow the Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will take you where you need to be at the exact moment so you can take the man's hand and say, here you go, Jesus. You'll be at the right place at the right time all because you're following the Spirit who knows. Remember we read that this morning? We don't know. But the Spirit knows. The Spirit knows. You follow that Spirit. The Spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost, will take you to places that you cannot get to. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But that which is born of the Spirit is spiritual. And you must be born again. Born from above. Born in heaven. Well, your name's in the book. Your name is in the book. Because you are born of God. You must be born again. Jesus is saying, he's making it very clear. You must be born again, Nicodemus. You must be born again because your righteousness is not enough. It's just filthy rags. You must be born again. This guy's the deal. He's one of the most famous rabbis of that day. And it wasn't enough. Because that's not what Jesus is asking for. He says, Put your nest down and follow me. That's what he's asking for. Do what I do. Walk in my steps. Follow me. Get behind me. I often tell my students, you know what? Sometimes I feel like zero. Most of the time I am zero. You might be zero zeros. Or we're all zeros. And I write all the zeros on the board. But if we get behind that one, whoo, changes the math real quick. The math changes all of a sudden. Because all those zeros behind the one, it becomes something powerful when we get behind Jesus. Matthew 21, verse 31. Whether them twain did the will of his father. They said unto him, the first. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I said to you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Tax collectors, harlots, Matthew. Who wrote the first gospel? Matthew, the tax collector. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Not Nicodemus. Not Gamaliel. Not all these famous religious leaders. They're the ones that said, hey, Rome, we don't want to get our hands dirty. Would you mind putting Jesus on the cross for us? The harlots, Mary, how many demons inside of Mary Magdalene? The harlots are going to go in before you. Why? Because they're going to receive what God wants to give. We're trying to make this climb, but you can't make it on your own. I'm not asking you to read 10 hours of your Bible every day. Pray and fast for 40 days and 40 nights on your own strength. I'm asking you simply to do what God wants you to do. He's reaching down and he wants you to come with him. And you just follow him wherever he leads you. You go and you live for Jesus. Living for Jesus. Dying to myself, but living for Jesus. Because Jesus is dying to meet you. Every day. He wants to meet you.
every day. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. He's talking about the different soils. The seed is planted. The seed is coming up. But there's all these extra things that are attached that are sucking the life out. Americans filled with debt. We have these bank accounts, but we got this one and that one and this one. All these payments, all these subscriptions, all these bills coming in and they're sucking the life out of our bank account. So we can't do anything because we got all these bills. We don't even see them. They're automatically just taken out. And we have no money anymore. What happens when the Chinese decide to say, hey, Illinois, now that we own you, is Pritzker going to write a check? Is Pritzker going to write a check? What happens when they come to collect? We're so burdened about by the things of this world. They're holding us back from the things of the world that is there. And the two are coming together. They're aligning. Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue, to continue in the faith. Go back to what we talked about, about faith. Last week, continuing in the faith that we must through tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Just like a baby through tribulation enters into this world. And the first thing we do is, bam, welcome to this part of the world. Oh boy, that's exciting. First thing, welcome to this world. They slap you in the behind and make you cry. That's the first thing they do. That ought to tell you something. That the first thing they do, that, that, that's not a good sign. It's not, it's not, I got to talk to Ed. He's like, right, you look a whole lot better. He said, well, I had no other choice because I was as low as you can go. So better was the only thing I could get because there was nothing else for me to do. It was only to get better. We have to understand that this life is only 70 or so plus, but it is introducing us to the life of the next that is everlasting. Amen. Everlasting, a kingdom without end. Luke 13, verses 23 and 24. Then said one, of, one unto him, Lord, are there a few that be saved? Looking around, are there a few that be saved? Where are they all hiding at? Sometimes I wonder if the rapture has already happened because they're not anywhere they at. Where are they at? Are there few? That be saved. And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and they shall not be able. They want to have the things of God, but they don't want to enter into the way God designs it, through the straight gate. It's interesting. Where was Paul at when Ananias prayed for him? Anyway. A street called straight. Hallelujah. He wants, he's got the straight way. The way that nobody wants to go. The road less traveled. The way nobody wants to go. Because it's tough to climb up high. Trust me, it's tough. My wife pushes me up that mountain. She's like, you've got to go. We've got to catch that bus. It's tough to make that climb. But he's with you every step of the way. But few people want to walk this way. But God is calling us to a higher way of living that is going to model that which is coming. I'm often wondering how many Christians are going to be disappointed when they get to heaven because there's no Netflix. 
Oh, they have that downstairs. <laughs> you want to go see their downstairs? They're going to be so disappointed because everything they live for, this side of glory will not be there. I'm wondering. He's calling us to something higher. To continue in the faith and to move into these things that whereby God uses us to fill the whole earth with his glory. It's not easy. I make mistakes all the time. I don't know why. But somehow he says, I'm still going to use you. I used the donkey. I used the rooster. Peter Dean listened to the rooster. And after that I used, maybe Peter had KFC and then finally got it right. I don't know. But God eventually used Peter. And he's still making mistakes with Paul. Paul's like, wait a minute, Peter, come on now. You're not getting it. He's still using Peter, even though Peter is still making mistakes. But he says, I'm going to use him. I'm going to use him anyway. The ascent. I want you to get this. The ascent of the church. And this is from this book from Rukhaus. The ascent of the church in its season of repentance is a return to one's home, to its roots. We need to return to the roots of our faith, to our home. This is not our home. We need to return to where our hearts are longing for home so much that we want to make home like this. When my wife gets here, my brother thinks, oh, you keep telling me your wife's the greatest cook. She is over there. He's like, well, will she Americanize the food? I said, then it won't be healthy anymore. <laughs> She's going to try to make it like home. She's going to cook Nepali food over here. That's what happens. Every tourist I know, when they get to Kathmandu, they say, where's the McDonald's? Does it taste like ours? You came halfway around the world to eat a freaking... Oh, sorry, they don't have Big Macs. They don't have beef. To eat what? <laughs> a chick McChicken, Okay. Come on. Come on. You're in Kathmandu, but this is what we do. We want it to be like home. The return is not to get back to the way things used to be. No, no, no. He's not asking to go back to the way things used to be. Because what does the Bible say? I have new mercies for you every day. I'm doing something new. We're not going back to the old way. We're going to something new. What did John say? It's an old commandment. No, it's not. It's not actually an old commandment. It's a new commandment because it's both old and it's new to you because it's what I've always been wanting you to do. Those striving to rebuild Israel. Just remember, this, these Psalms are from the days of Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the people of God. Those striving to rebuild Israel from the rubble understood all too well the misguided failures of their ancestors. The reason why we got kicked out is because we became everything God hated. Such that how in the world, without lying, can we sing, God bless us? If we become everything God hates. I mean, when Iran sounds like they're preaching the gospel and says, you are Satan, because they'll see what's on Hollywood. That's not good. When your enemies call you Satan, then they might be more true. Misguided failures of their ancestors. Going back was the only way forward. They're going back to Zion, but it's their only way forward into the new thing God wants to do. 
Going back to the cross, to what God wants to do. This is the way of repentance. What the Bible calls lamentation. Only by reliving, remembering, and reminded of the failure of God's people to live up to its calling. Can they, and we, open ourselves up to the genuine inbreaking of God's kingdom. What he wants to do here, and what he wants to do now. I'm telling you, he wants to bring the kingdom. Now, as Ed always prays, Ed wants the whole kit and caboodle right now. And God's like, no, I'm still doing kit. I'll get to caboodle later. I'm still doing kit because I've got other things in mind. Because I'm God. (laughs) I'm still just doing kit. The kit and caboodle's coming. But right now, we're just working on the kit. Because I got something cooking that I want to do. And I'm asking you, because God is asking me to share this with you. Do you want to be a part of what God is getting ready to do? Or do you want to just sit back and do it the old way? Because God is getting ready to do something. And he's looking for a few good men and women to do it with. And I'm asking you, do you want to be a part of what God is getting ready to do? Because it's always darkest before the dawn. It's always darkest before the dawn. But the sun is coming. And we want to be like those servants When Jesus came, when the master came, he found those servants and said, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want to be like the other servants. It's happening. It's happening. The songs of ascent, Psalms 120 to 124 is going up to Zion. Psalms 125 to 29 is arrival at the city and passing into those gates. And Psalm 130 to 34 is arrival at the sanctuary for sacrifice. For a fellowship meal with God and one another. Loving God, loving each other. A fellowship meal, communion, and then a benediction, a blessing. So they can go back. So they can go back. Do you know that the church was born at the festival of Pentecost? Do you know that people from all over the Roman Empire came to Jerusalem because of these psalms? To be at the temple at Pentecost. Do you know they had this happen and then they went back and they exploded the gospel everywhere. All over the Roman Empire, people heard about the gospel. Because these Jews came to Jerusalem and 3,000 got saved that day. And then they all went to their various countries back home. And they took it with them. God wants to bless you here so you'll take it with you out there. And give them what he's given you. He wants you to be a part of something he's doing, something new, something new. Now, in a mountain expedition, there's something called false summits. When you first approach a mountain to climb it, you'll make a plan. Here you are at the base. Okay, I'm going to go up to here and I'm going to get to this level. Remember, it's step by step degrees. I'm going to get to this plateau. They have a base camp at Mount Everest that they go to, a base camp that they climb to. And from there, then they make the next plateau. When you're down at the bottom of the mountain, you can kind of see the whole thing. You can kind of make a map out of the plan. But when you're actually on the mountain and you're actually climbing, unless you've got, probably don't even have a phone. I don't even carry a phone. Nobody wants to carry anything. Carry the essentials only. But when you're actually on the mountain and you're making these climbs and you're hitting these summits, you actually don't know which one is the last one. Because every one you think that you're climbing, you think this is it. And then you get to the top of it. And you look up and there's another one. 
Right, Ed? Every day you think, wow, this is it. I'm going to see Jesus. Nope, another one. These mountain climbers, they have something called false. They think they've reached the top. I just got to get up there and, wow, I'll be there. And they get there and say, we this thing. Oh, wow, this is the greatest thing God has ever done. No, I'm getting ready to do something greater. I got something next. This is just the beginning. This is just first grade. I want to take you through second grade. Oh, I the PhD. I want to take you higher. This is just the beginning. But we get caught up thinking, oh, I just got to reach this and this is it. And we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got so much more for you. This is just, I'm just starting. And these climbers realize there's false summits where they think they've reached the pinnacle and they haven't. They never know when they're going to reach the top until they get there. And all of a sudden, like Moses at Mount Pisgah, they go, wow. They don't know. This is a virtue of climbing mountains. They just don't understand. Because when you're actually on the mountain, when you're actually in the fight, you just don't know. When you're on the sea and there's a storm, you may not know, like Paul, for two weeks, whether it's day or whether it's night, because you're in the hurricane and you don't know if it's day or night and you really don't care. You just want to get through. (laughs) You don't know. We have not reached anywhere near where God wants to take us yet. Otherwise, we'd be there because he'd be here and it'd be over. So we keep hitting these false summits saying, oh, but they're false because wait a minute, I got something more for you. Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. I told you this morning, it's a dream. It's a dream. What do you dream? We talk about the American dream. What are you dreaming for? When you wake up in the middle of the night, what are the thoughts running through your head? You know, they say if we just sleep all night, if we just sleep all night, we don't remember our dreams. But if we remember our dreams, that means we didn't sleep. That means we got something on our mind that will not let us sleep. And we'll remember the dream. And it's your brain trying to tell you that you got something on your mind. What is on our mind? If it's the kingdom of God, this is how successful people do it. They dream so much because they're trying to do this thing and they put it to the point that they win the Super Bowl, that they win the World Series, that they win whatever, that they excel, they succeed because they dream and they put that dream there and they achieve it. And they climb every false summit until they get to finally get there to that one. Ah, so what? The Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl this year. There's always next year. It's always next year. We still can make the climb. We still can do it. Are we dreaming? They're dreaming. Like, wait a minute. We don't belong here in Babylon. We belong over there. It's like a dream. What happened? But they're dreaming and longing to get back into Jerusalem, to get back into the temple, to get back into the presence of God. I keep telling you, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. It's God's kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as is in heaven. Is that your dream? The kingdom of God? Not for that to happen when Jesus comes, but the kingdom of God now. Now and as much as we can. Now. Until we get there. Because these false summits are not false. They're just places that God is taking us. 
And one day we're going to reach that. And it's going to happen. Jesus is going to be here one day. It's going to happen. Right now we're still climbing. And we keep thinking that we've reached the top. He's like, no, I've got so much more. Is that what you're dreaming of? I like how the new Jerusalem Bible puts it. I'm racing back to Philippians 3 that we talked about earlier this morning. 3.14. I'm racing towards the finishing point to win the prize of God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. We did this verse this morning. It's a heavenly call. Are we dreaming of heaven? Are we dreaming? When your mind's neutral, where does it go? Wheel of fortune? I hope not. Those folks are getting old. They say, well, eventually we're going to (laughs) quit. Where do we go with our mind? Is it heaven? It's an upward call. It's a heavenly call. It's a high calling. In Luke 2, verses 41 and 42, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the Feast of Passover. Jesus went every year. What I'm trying to tell you is Jesus probably sang these songs every year on his way to Jerusalem. And when he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Except he chose to stay and they went home. And he was 12 years old and he schooled them all. But what I'm trying to tell you is Jesus followed these festivals and Jesus probably sang. We don't know. The disciples say they sang songs. We don't know what they sang. But the tradition is the Jews would sing these 15 on their way to the festival. Because they're going to Jerusalem to meet God. And they had these 15 songs to lead them through to that way. Every Jew is doing these 15 songs. As they're headed to Zion. As they're headed to Jerusalem. As they're headed to God's house. To make the climb. To meet with God. This was Jesus' practice. This is Jesus' practice. Finally the night. Mark 10 verse 32. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Going up to Jerusalem. Going up to Zion, making the ascent, making the climb, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed, and Jesus is leading them. And as they followed, they were afraid. They were afraid. Remember? Saul was afraid of David, and Saul's throwing javelins at him. They were afraid, and he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Going back to what we did this morning, he began to explain to them that I'm going to Jerusalem to die. No, wait a minute. You're supposed to go and kick the Romans, man. I'm going to die. Why? Because when I die, it's going to give you what, exactly what you need when I die so that you can live. These Psalms, these 15 Psalms, he's taking them in Mark 10 to Jerusalem. They're seeing these 15 on their way to Jerusalem and he's using them to explain what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. And we're doing these 15 songs ahead of Easter because we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go through them and we're going to see them and they are going to prepare us for what happened on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. This is why I pulled this all together. I want to do these 15 songs because I want to do what they did right here in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They took these 15 on their way and Jesus used them to explain what's going on. Now, we already did one of the psalms this morning that wasn't even one of the 15. And I only covered it briefly. 
When I go on deep, I've gone deep with that psalm with my students that blows them away. Because you read the psalm and you read the gospels and it's happening. And we've often misunderstood and we've used some rotten theology to say that, you know, when Jesus is on the cross, he's talking about that. No, he's not talking about that. He's singing a song. He's singing one of these songs. Of the song. He's praying. So I want you to grab a hold of this. Because this is the way nobody wants to go. No, but you don't even want to go. I don't want to go. Our flesh does not want to go. But we need to go if we want to see what God is going to do. Or we can just be like everybody else. Just show up. I went to church on Sunday. Clock in, clock out. Did my thing. Chicken wing. Now I'm going to go about and buy me some wing. That it? Clock in, clock out? No. He wants to do something. And he's going to use these 15 songs, these 15 prayers that have been prayed by God's people since they began the temple. Since they began the temple. To invite us into the very presence of God, into his house. This is why I'm taking so long to introduce these to you. Because it's that important. And I don't want you to miss it. And it's going to be exciting. And we've still got Wednesday night to finish this introduction. Seven parts, I know. Crazy. So that next Sunday, we can begin with Psalm 120. But I'm hoping you're going to see the fruit. If I've taken this much time, I'm hoping you're going to see the fruit of what it means for God to call us to a higher place with Him. To get on the program of what He's doing. Because we know this world is not doing it. They don't have any answers. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. Okay? Illinois people are like, I flew a balloon in Alaska and they shot it down with a $450,000 missile. Well, the balloon was made in China. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. Praise the Lord, He knows what He's doing. And we can follow Him. And if we follow Him, oh, I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for tonight's word. I thank you about what you're getting ready to do. Because you're all about, this is a new day. This is new mercies. I've got new things I'm going to do in the earth. And we want to respond by being those willing and faithful, obedient disciples to follow you wherever you want to lead us. We're going to go. I thank you, Jesus, for the excitement that you have for your people that you have for us, that you have for those people who can't be here tonight for whatever reason, the excitement you have of what you're getting ready to do. And if that is the final summit and it's no longer the false one, it is the last one, hallelujah. But if it's just another summit, I'll take that because I want to climb higher and higher and higher into all that you have. Father God, we submit right now to your will be done here upon the earth. Not our will, but thine be done here upon the earth as it is in heaven. That we might see, that we might make this climb to enter into what you have in your kingdom. And that we will invite others. See, let me show you the way. Because others cannot see, at least we show them 
how to get there by getting there ourselves. Because this world keeps telling us, you can't get here, there from here. You can't get there from here. That's all they keep saying. You can't get there from here. Well, you have shown us in your word that we can get there from here when we follow you. And just like David's army conquered Jerusalem, when nobody since the days of Joshua conquered it, David's men conquered it because you showed them a way. You're going to show us the way to enter into what you have in these days. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.